Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast Thursday edition. Totally switched things up. Patrick Allen joined by Adam Best. It's not Wacky Wednesday. It is Thursday. Our guy Verderam is down in the Senior Bowl, and you know that that Adam is sponsored by Reese's, so he's in trouble. Oh, he uh, he wasn't missing that for the world. No, no, no. He he says he goes down there to cover the game, but we all know he's just stocking up on all the all the free candy they have. All the perks. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Finally over the the nerves. That was just, uh, you know, 17 panic attacks I had Sunday night. It was yeah, brutal. Man, you ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. What's up with your new background? What, is that is that like a, a banner? That's not a real wall, is it? No, it's a, it's a backdrop, and I ordered a fat head. Oh, nice. And I was very careful to put it on there. Yeah, so. it, it looks good. So you, are you still in your panic room? I am still in the panic room. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I do all the writing, all the recording, every everything in here. It just looks like it's a different place. Yeah, if you guys aren't regular viewers of the th- of the of the Wednesday show with uh with Adam and Sterling, uh Adam is has sort of taken over the Arrowhead Attic TikTok. So you need to make sure you check that out often. He's going live answering questions, oftentimes after the shows or after the post-game show. So it's like the after party, um, which that's where all the cool kids hang out, right? Is the, uh, you know, the uh, the after party, the after bar bar? The after after party. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a couple of those places when I lived in New York. You know, the, the bars stay open until four there. and you, That's you know, trouble. Right, right. Like you're already open until four. And I used to wait tables at a place called B Bar, and we would get off it for. And we were friends with the guys who owned the bar next door, uh, and we'd go over there and hang out. And then we'd sometimes go to one of the after hours joints. Like when you're rolling into a place at like five five thirty, mm-hmm. it's a scene. That's all I can. Say. That's all I'll say about it. Is it? It is a scene. Hey, listen, this uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. Uh, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast uh, been sponsored by Casey Beer Co. for a long time. It's the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City, and it's the only brewery in Kansas City to focus on German beer styles. They actually brew their beer according to the Bavarian Purity Law of 1516, using only four ingredients, malt, hops, water, and yeast. It's absolutely delicious. This is an award-winning brewery we're talking about here with a terrific lineup of brews. So whatever uh, type of beer you're into, they definitely have a style for you. As, as many of you know, we made our own beer, Arrow Red Lager, that's available only in the Casey Beer Beer Hall. Um, the six packs sold out and uh, you can still get it on tap there. Although I heard from a little birdie. In fact, if you go to the Casey Beer Twitter right now, there's some information there. Something's going on. So maybe there's some more of that on the way, but look for the red uh, Casey Beer Co. cartons in your local store and support the Arrowhead Attic Podcast by supporting Casey Beer Co. Do us a favor, give them a shout out on Twitter, at Casey Beer Co., and let them know you heard about their beer on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Keep us in business and dare to be different. All right, Adam. So as you mentioned, as we start talking Chiefs here, oh, 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 Jesus says, Patrick, will you smoke a cigar if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, uh, I took me a while to get the smell out of this room. I only smoked a little bit of that cigar. Um, on Sunday? So- on Sunday, yeah, I, I opened the podcast by lighting one up uh, in the house, which was, that's the thing. I love cigars, but like you cannot, like you'll never get the smell out. Like I think if I smoked an entire cigar in this room, I'd have to throw the rugs away and like the, the furniture. 
because there's just so much smoke. Like it's, I go into a place and buy cigars sometimes and they have a, a cigar lounge adjacent to it. Like, and there's no door. And like, I go and pick a couple up, like during the summer is when I, I smoke the most of them outside in the patio, my clothes, like I got to wash everything just from walking in there and being in there for 10 minutes. So yeah, it's uh it's rough, but, but you mentioned at the top of the pod, you know, the nerves subsided. Um, and I was with you, man. I, I mentioned, we, you and I haven't been on a show together in a while, but I mentioned leading up to that game against the Bengals that I was more nervous for that game. I wanted that game as badly as I had wanted any game since the Super Bowl, since the first Super Bowl. Right. And I think it was just because the, it, the Bengals and they were talking all this trash and we'd lost to them three times in a row and they knocked us out. Like, it just was like, I don't want to say it was my Super Bowl, but like, I really wanted that fucking game. And I'm re- I was really glad we got it. I wanted it more than I'd wanted any game in so long. How did you feel about that? I felt like in a way it was as big as the Super Bowl because we kind of knocked out the Patriots and became the big dogs in the AFC. And you heard Joe Mixon even say, we're the big dogs now. And I think when we won that Super Bowl, we as Chiefs fans were thinking the AFC is definitely ours. The whole league might be ours. This next decade is Chiefs kingdom all the way. And the Bengals were threatening to take that away. And we all felt that. We all felt that, you know, we don't want to be, we want to be Tom Brady. We don't want to be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what was going on. And then, of course, all the trash talk, uh, losing to one team three times in a calendar year. It was just almost unbearable. Um, but uh, they pulled it out, didn't they? They sure did, man. It was a, a super exciting game. I see, I see our guy Clint in the chat asked, did your wife eviscerate, eviscerate you for it, smoking the cigar, Patrick? Uh, no, I, I told her what I was going to do. And she sort of, you know, she raised an eyebrow. And uh, this is kind of my wing of the house over here. Like I've got my office room uh, and then there's, I, I've got a gym over here that she doesn't really use. And then my closet's back there. So like, I think she was kind of like, I don't like it, but if you want to ruin your wing of the house, go, go nuts. Um, so luckily though, I, like I said, I, I put it out pretty, pretty quickly, which was kind of a shame. It was a decent cigar, but um, yeah. So, but back to the, the chiefs, man. So obviously all week, the, the narrative has been, has been crying Bengals fans, which I've like thoroughly enjoyed. I said before the game that if the chiefs won, I was going to be unbearable and i I think I've held up to that. I could be going a little harder on Twitter, frankly, but um, you know, I've, I've gotten my shots in. I'm taking the victory lap. Um, but leading up to the game, as you mentioned, everybody was talking about, oh, well, you know, if Burrow wins this game, and I don't know if you saw, did you see the Bomani Jones clip that was floating around today where he addresses like all those people saying that like Burrow was going to be better than Mahomes if, if Burrow won the game? Is that the one with Marcus Spears or is that a new one? The one that I saw is just Bomani uh, okay. on one of the shows at the desk, kind of doing the like uh, daily show style, mm-hmm. you know, monologue thing. And he just basically makes the point like, of you know, I don't need to rehash it, how completely absurd it is to be suggesting that at any point, no matter what happened in that game, that Joe Burrow was better than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we forget that they're not playing one-on-one. Right. Right. This isn't tennis. This isn't chess. They're playing against defenses. Cincinnati's had a better defense. Their defense didn't play better the other night. That's for sure. But in the previous three games, their defense had been superior. Uh, 
it's just a case of Chiefs fatigue, the whining about the refs, the trying to assign Mahomes' spot to someone else. We're kind of the new Patriots, and I just think we're going to have to deal with it. This whole, I mean, first of all, the tears are delicious and hydrating, so I don't really mind it. But, um, yeah, we're just going to have to get used to it because we're not going anywhere, and us being on top, there's a log jam in the AFC particularly, but in the whole league, you know, it's going to be harder to win a Super Bowl with a dominant team. It certainly was when the Patriots were in the midst of their dynasty. So I think this, that's what the heart of this is. You can't rig the NFL. It's a multi-billion dollar corporation that has partnerships with NBC Universal, Fox, Amazon, Google, uh, Paramount, who am I leaving out? And Disney. They'd all have to be in on it. Plus, every all the players, all these egocentric billionaires that own the team, they'd have to be like, oh, yeah, do you think Jerry Jones is going to be okay with his team never being scripted into a championship? It, it's just right. it's just so asinine. Yeah, well, those are the worst fans. The, the fans that think that the games are rigged or like whenever, as soon as anybody says the NFL wants, just stop. Like, just stop it. It's so absurd. And the point you made is great. Like, Jerry Jones... The dude's insane about the Cowboys. <laughs> you know, he's the most hands-on owner in the league. If it was fixed, you better bet your ass that the Cowboys would have more Super Bowls than they do. Yeah, he holds a lot of sway with that ownership group. You know, he basically was involved in getting uh, the Rams moved in that stadium, and he would be orchestrating all kinds of stuff for his Cowboys. So, yeah. and The other thing I wanted to chat about really quickly is – this idea that the Bengals will be back and they certainly have a, a you know, I mean, their, their, their team is incredibly talented. I think obviously Joe Burrow's excellent Higgins and, and chase and Tyler Boyd. They've got good players on both sides of the ball, but like, I just think it's so hard to stay on top. Like that's the whole thing about the NFL. And so everybody thinks that once you get good, that's it. We're good now and we're going to be good forever. And we're a little spoiled because we have 15 and we have Andy Reid. And that's a really magic combo. But I think that Bengals fans, they, like the, the, the media stuff about, oh, well, it's going to be, it's always the next guy that comes along to challenge Mahomes. And just ask the, just ask the Ravens. I mean, just a couple years ago, it was, it's going to be Mahomes and Lamar, Lamar and Mahomes. They're the new, you know, if you, they're the new Manning Brady. And then injuries, things happen. The team's not as good as they wanted to be. Then it's then it's Josh Allen. Bills are going to be, Bills and Chiefs met in the AFC Championship game. Yep. A, it's been a while now since the Bills have been in the AFC Championship game. Well, I thought it was going to be Mahomes and Allen was the new Brady. And look, I'm not saying that these guys aren't good anymore. But what I'm saying is to do what the Chiefs have done the last five years is bananas. And so and, and, and for, for the Bengals to do what they did and get to the AFC Championship game two, two years in a row is bananas. And they were trying to go back to back to the Super Bowl, which the Chiefs did. And that is really, really hard. And three times, I don't, it's maybe only been done like once, I think. Verderam's my historian on that one. But like, don't expect Bengals fans that just because you have a good quarterback and some good players, that's just you're going to be AFC Championship game every single year and you're going to win multiple Super Bowls. That's not the norm. 
Yeah. The other thing you didn't mention is ownership. Their ownership is historically cheap. Yep. So what happens when Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins all want contract extensions? Joe Burrows is coming this offseason. He's asking for it this offseason. He's going to want 60 mil a year. It's going to be a lot worse than what Patrick Mahomes is getting, a lot worse than what uh, Josh Allen is getting in terms of team friendliness. And I hate to say this, but I think we're going to be the mainstay in the AFC. And these other teams are going to be like how the Pacers and Knicks and Jazz and Trailblazers and Sonics were for the Bulls. Yeah. They're going to be a little footnote in the history of our dominance. Yeah, And that probably sounds cocky, but I, it's just actually what I believe. Also, the defense for the Bengals. It is a hodgepodge of veteran free agents. A very good hodgepodge with a phenomenal defensive coordinator. But I just don't think defensive dominance isn't as sticky as the other side of the ball, especially when you have these guys aging. They've been good for multiple years. They're all going to want to get paid. I just don't know how sustainable their success is. No, there's always defensive regression. It's the hardest thing to sustain. It may be impossible in the NFL to be a dominant defense year in and year out, even if you have really good players. Especially and, without superstars, right? Right. Hey, if you don't have those superstars, I mean, you know, if you I just imagine what the Chiefs would be like if you could, you know, pick a couple of the Bosas and move them over there. Some of these guys that these other teams have, they would be unstoppable. But you have to spend your money somewhere. You have to spread it around. And I did not like the Tyree kill trade at the time, but I was wrong. I was wrong. It was it was the right thing to do. They, they, the Chiefs and Brett Veach, rightfully, and that's why he gets paid all the money to be the GM of the Chiefs, and I'm on a podcast. He, he, knew, he believed Mahomes could elevate the guys around him, and he's done it. And but with the Mahomes-Reed combo, the Chiefs should always have a top 10 offense no matter what. I would say top five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if line issues pop up, that's where I think it's gonna. It could potentially cause problems. I think as long as Mahomes has competent receivers, they'll be able to. Do, especially now that he's really learned to take what the defense gives him and doesn't force the big play like he was last year a little bit at times. I think um, they're always going to be good. And I agree with you. It's going to be tough for these teams to stick. I saw some peeps some conversation this week about how uh, maybe maybe it was it was Nick Wright. I said like. Tom Brady broke our brains about what is like normal and, and what like looks like success for an NFL quarterback and an NFL franchise. You know, there were these few moments like the Joe Montana and the, the, the nineties Cowboys and, and then Brady comes along. But like, if you won two, remember Elway won two Super Bowls finally at the end of his career. And you're like, man, he's one of the best ever it, like you got two, three, like you were in rare air, and then it was like Montana, four four Super Bowls, four championships, and then Brady went and he came in and he won a call. He won what they won three, and then it was like, I, I I mention this stat all the time on this podcast. They went ten years without winning a Super Bowl. They won a ton of games, and they were in. But remember, they lost to the Ravens. They got knocked out of the playoffs. Like that's going to happen to the Chiefs, and they were undefeated. I think in two thousand seven, maybe, and then they got knocked off by by uh, the Giants and the helmet right. catch and all that. In the Super Bowl. So, like, 
it's so hard to win consistently to win a bunch of Super Bowls and and the narrative heading into this game but people are like well if Mahomes loses he's been to five straight AFC championship games yeah but he's only got one Super Bowl and he only won two uh two of the AFC championship games and it's like man the games get harder like when you get to the AFC Championship, give you're playing better teams. You get to the Super Bowl, you're playing the best team from the other conference. Like yeah. that line of thinking is so absurd to look at that as a failure. You know, much in the way that people like with LeBron, like the dude goes to the finals. It's very like, similar. Yeah, it's it, it, a billion times. And if he doesn't win, you know, seven of them, he's he's you can't even breathe his name in the same sentence as Jordan. It's ridiculous. And Brady's championships, those first three, were not the same as Mahomes' championship. Mahomes made that happen. That was on his back. Brady, we we all forget because he became one of the most dominant quarterbacks in NFL history, but he was closer to a a game manager at that point in his career. So I, I don't think it's the same. And for some additional perspective, think about how good the Green Bay Packers have been historically during this modern era. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers have started 31 years. How many Super Bowls do you think they've made collectively? Care to guess? Lay it on me. The same number as Mahomes, three in 31 years. Yeah. And that's a pretty damn good franchise. So we're in rarefied air here. And I agree with you. uh, We shouldn't let Tom Brady kind of reset the way we think. Right. the way I see it is another another Bulls basketball comparison. I think, and even the the Boston side of this works, I think ultimately we will see Tom Brady as Bill Russell and Pat Mahomes as Michael Jordan. That's my that's my prediction. I think if he stays healthy and he's able to play a lot of years, I, I agree with you. And and Belichick was a little bit younger, I think, than Reed when he got Brady. I'm not sure. Exact time, but like uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, they're the they, same age, roughly. I think. Are, are actually, Belichick's older than him a little bit. I a little think. bit older. So you know, what would happen if you know Andy Reid's not going to be coaching in twenty years, in in fifteen years, probably even, right? So like, this could be it. Like if they win the Super Bowl this year, maybe Andy walks away. Says, you know what, like. I got two Super Bowls. I told you I'm just getting over the panic attacks, and you're bringing them back. <laughs> I'm trying you're to scare back, man. I'm trying oh, to scare man. everybody. And Matt he did Nagy say he's considering Nagy. coaching into his 70s, but Mahomes will have a different coach at some point. Yep. Especially yep. if he plays, if he even if he just plays to Aaron Rodgers' age, like right on the cusp of 40, another 12, 13 years. There's no way Andy Reid's coaching another 12 or 13 years. No, I don't no. think so. But the good thing is for, for Chiefs fans is that they'll be able to pick whoever they want because unlike Brady who played forever to the point where he left the organization, it's not going to be like Mahomes is 40 and they're looking for a new coach. Reed's going to depart while Mahomes is probably still in his prime. And so, I mean, coaches like... You're not going to have to twist anybody's arm to come to Kansas City and take over that program um, no. with with Patrick Mahomes. So that's at least one good thing that the Chiefs have. By the way, this is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. 
if you are listening, Clint says when they win the Super Bowl, Patrick, when? Absolutely. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, we appreciate if you could head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review over there. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, hit that like button. Let's get some more Chiefs fans in here. This is going to be a really interactive podcast today. We've got a ton of questions from our members. If you're interested in becoming a member of the Chiefs community that we're building here at Arrowhead Attic, check out the link in the description. We have a bunch of different membership levels. Um, today, we took a bunch of questions from our Ring of Honor members that we're going to be getting into about the Super Bowl, about the Bengals, all kinds of really interesting stuff. So we're going to be hitting that in just a second. Um, and of course, we got to talk about the Sean Payton news that is um, sort of bubbling up here. Uh, the, the Denver Broncos trading picks to get a coach, which is, I just find hilarious. So we're going to talk about that. But first, I got to tell you about this quick deal. Look, the Super Bowl is coming up next week. You get a chance to bet on the Chiefs if you live in a betting state, if you're in Kansas, if you're in Ohio. We've got this great deal. And if you want to support this podcast, this is the best way to do it because we get paid when you sign up with one of our betting partners. So this one's with BetMGM. We've been mentioning it. If you haven't done it yet, um, it's a really awesome promo that they're running right now for customers for the Super Bowl. Uh, it's for all legal betting states. You just have to use the code. That's how we get credit for it. So if you've never bet with BetMGM before, head over there, use the code Arrowhead, and you'll get a risk-free first bet for up to $1,000. Using the code Arrowhead is a great way to support us. Like I said, we get that small fee when a new better uses our code. So if you don't have that account, go ahead and do us a solid download it. Use the code Arrowhead, place a bet. Now this is for new customers only, and it's uh, you're gonna be present in the select states. Rewards issued as non-refundable, withdrawable free bets or site credits. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. See the full terms at betmgm.com. If you have a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Kansas, 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 888-789-7777 in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP or text 7867 in Louisiana, call or text Tennessee TN Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888- 532-3500 in Virginia. Someday, man. That's right. Someday rough. there's going to be one phone number that we have to read. Um, and uh, and that'll be it. It'll be like 1-800-GAMBLER. Anywhere you can gamble, call that number. Um, wouldn't that be Makes great? too much sense. Yeah, no, way, way too much sense. Um, all right, so <clears throat> let's talk Sean Payton and the Broncos. So the Broncos, uh, they've worked out a deal. I don't think it's official yet. I don't think he's signed yet, right? But this news came out, what was it, yesterday? Um, that, as, as you guys know, uh, Sean Payton retired, stepped away. Well, he was under contract with the Saints. So the Saints still have his rights. And that means that if uh, he wants to go and work somebody somewhere else for a certain amount of time, they are entitled to compensation. <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation. Um, so they wanted first-round picks. For uh, Sean Payton, and it sounds like Broncos have, have come to an agreement. And there's, uh, I think the Broncos are giving up a first and a second, right? And they're getting like a third back. I think that's what's been reported. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got it written down somewhere. But like, I just, I laughed so hard when I saw this. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> I think it's, uh, well, here's what the, this is, this is fun. Here's what the Broncos have traded. Uh, in less than a year, 
They've traded three first round picks. This is between Sean Payton and uh, and Russ. Russell Wilson deal. Three first round picks, three second round picks, a fifth round pick, Drew Locke, meh, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant. And in, re- in return, they have gotten Russell Wilson, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, and Sean Payton. Like that is brutal. Now, you and I were talking about this earlier and interested to hear what you all in the chat think. I think it's ridiculous to trade a first-round pick for a coach. I will note, and this is embarrassing, that the Kansas City Chiefs once traded a fourth-round pick for Herm Edwards. My God, talk about Good old that. Harm. Yeah, old Harm Edwards. Um, I just think, unless you're getting Andy Reid or Bill Belichick or Tom Landry or you know Vince Lombardi, like Sean Payton is good coach. He had Drew Brees. He won one Super Bowl. So, like, when I think of like top tier coaches that I would trade a first round pick for, I think about what Andy Reid has done with a top tier Hall of Fame quarterback and Patrick Mahomes. As soon as he got his hands, he's never had that guy in his whole career. He's won a ton, but then he gets Patrick Mahomes and it's AFC Championship game, AFC Championship game, Super Bowl, Super Bowl loss, AFC Championship game, Super Bowl. That, yeah, I'll give you a first-round pick, but what, what do you think about this? Are they insane? Because they already are down money and picks. I don't think they're insane. It's a lot to give up. But if you look at this division with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and you look at the Chargers for Justin Herbert, you have to have a long-term vision for your franchise. He gives you that. Also, you got yourself in a mess with Russell Wilson, where last year he had his office. He was basically running the show. Letting Russ cook is the exact opposite of what you want to do. Uh, they had it right in Seattle. Mr. Unlimited is limited. You have to use him a certain way, get him in motion, take some things off his plate. There aren't, a very, there aren't very many coaches who could come to that locker room with more clout than Russell Wilson. This is one. So not only can he... Um, execute the long-term vision, the five to 10-year vision. And, and the, these owners have deep pockets like they did in, in New Orleans, so it's going to be that kind of arrangement. Um, but he can get Russell Wilson in line in the short term, and I think he's going to be tasked with finding a franchise quarterback who can compete with, with Herbert and Mahomes and developing that player and bringing the same kind of culture that he had in New Orleans. So short term it's disastrous, but if they're thinking five to 10 years and we really got to, we can't just do this quick fix thing that the division did last year because it doesn't work. We have to do, uh, we have to think long-term like the chiefs do, you know, Brett Veach, that's, ex- you brought the Tyree kill trade. That's five to 10 year thinking, not, not like short-term window thinking. So, uh, but it is a hefty price to pay. I will not deny that. Do you think it's long-term thinking though, or is it like okay, we we spent all this like they as as Verderam has hilariously pointed out on this podcast, the Broncos are on the hook for Mister Unlimited well into the future, and there's nothing they can do without millions in dead cap. Like, is this a move where they're like, dude, this dude sucked? We like we gotta we gotta do whatever we can to get a coach who can get him back to like how he's played before. And so it's a short-term Hail Mary, and maybe it's short-term, long-term. If it doesn't work yeah. out, at least you got a good coach. But you're not gonna have any like you're, you're not gonna have any cap space. You're not gonna have very many picks for this new coach to work with. 
And as we saw with with the with the Raiders and bringing back John Gruden, just just because somebody was good before in another place and then they walk away, I'm not saying that like Sean Payton's washed, but what I am saying is, I mean, there's a much bigger gap between Sean Payton coaching and, and Gruden, but like it's not Agreed. guaranteed to work. No, it's not. But the other thing I'd throw at you, kind of playing devil's advocate here, is that in the last five or six years, the league has changed radically. We've Teams have started to think more about analytics. They're throwing more than ever. So not only is that great for Andy Reid, who was ahead of his time, I think Sean Payton was ahead of his time. And by the time the league turned into this, Drew Brees was a shell of himself. Just still had it mentally, was still tough as nails, but just didn't have the arm. So if he can find a quarterback, you never know. And remember, Sean Payton was the other guy that was in on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So um, I'm a believer in him. I think outside of, of Andy Reid, he is probably the next best offensive mind in terms of head coaches in the game. And I think this is an era where you want offensive coaches. This is, I mean, I don't know if I was him especially if he was in on Patrick Mahomes, the last place I would want to return to coaching would be Denver in the same division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, where I'm now hamstrung with picks. And like, if I was Sean Payton, I would have called up Andy Reid and been like, Andy, how much longer are you going to go? <laughs> you know? And like, then I would have called Clark out and been right. like, hey, Clark, like I'm just going to chill and do TV or whatever until Andy's done here in the next few years. And uh, I'm your guy. That's that's what I would have done. Um, but you know, well, he's been known to be impulsive, and he's got he's got a big ego. And I think rather than being seen as riding coattails, I think he'd love to go into. Uh, in terms of ownership, it's a good situation. It's a disastrous situation in terms of draft capital right now in the division. But how many other jobs are open? Arizona right. wasn't going to spend the money. You think New Orleans is trading Sean Payton to Carolina? Nope. So yeah. I, th I think he looks at it and says, well, this is a good ownership group and really the only job available for me. So I guess I got to take it. Yeah. And it's a, it is a, it, an organization that's traditionally not maybe necessarily recently, but traditionally been run pretty well. And look, he's, he's a guy too. And you're right. All these guys have ego. I don't know. You can survive in the NFL without a little bit of ego. Um, he's a guy that like, if things crash and burn in Denver, he's not not going to be able to get another job somewhere. There'll still be teams knocking down yeah. the door to hire him. So if he wants to get back into coaching and he thinks, hey, man, I can help. I can turn Russell Wilson around and like make a run of it. Good on him. I don't think it's going to work, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. All right. Agreed. Let's. Let's get into some of these questions. So again, these questions came from our Ring of Honor members, which is the highest tier, some of our most hardcore supporters of this podcast. You guys are the absolute best. Can't thank you enough for all you do for us and the support you have uh, have brought to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. So this show is kind of yours today. Um, so first one, Adam, comes from our guy, Jeremy C. He said, how worried are you about the injury situation uh, and who are you specifically worried about? Now, the Chiefs put out an injury report yesterday, even though they didn't practice, they're letting guys rest. So it was, they called it like a theoretical injury report. Like if they had practiced, who would have practiced? Um, and then some additional information has come out today. Uh, Andy spoke to the media. They asked him about McCole Hardman. He said Hardman is done, probably. It's going to be difficult for him to play in the Super Bowl. 
which sucks. Said he, he was did, courageous to even try. Yes. Yeah. He tried to go out there and, and do it. Um, and then he mentioned uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who he said, who's dealing with a knee issue, and he said he thought Juju would probably be able to play and that the swelling has gone down. So I'm not exactly sure what the injury is. I don't know if that's come out, if it's kind of like a sprain, some inflammation, but it seems like, I mean, thank God for the extra week, but who are you yeah. most worried about um, from the current injury report? I mean, the Chiefs are decimated. Probably Kadarius Tony. Yeah. There sounds like there's some optimism around him too, though. And if you saw him after the game, he was smiling, laughing. There was nothing wrong with his gait. Uh, so there seems to be some optimism around him, but you really need for this offense to really function the way it can and be as difficult to figure out as possible. You need either that McColl element or that Kadarius element. I think they're kind of interchangeable, but you need one of those guys. I mean, MVS did a good job of running some of those plays, but that's not really his, his wheelhouse normally. Uh, sounds like Willie Gay is fine. Um, if this was one week, I would be real worried about Legarius Sneed because the concussion protocol is, is uh, you never know with the concussion protocol, right? But with two weeks, I'm feeling pretty good about him and his history. We, we really need those guys back because we're they're two of our best tacklers, two of our most athletic defenders. And when we're facing A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts in a really good running game, we need those guys out there. So um, probably Tony, but I really want those two guys back on defense as well. I'm with you on 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 Willie Gay and Legarius Sneed. Obviously, for the coverage reasons, um, you know, look, these concussions, you just never know. Like, oftentimes it's okay, and guys are able to make it back sometimes in the next week, two weeks, even better. Um, obviously, his, his health and safety is the most important thing, but sometimes, as we've seen with Tua, if they're really serious, you've got to let the the injury heal. So let's cross our fingers for, for Legarius and, and be glad that we got this extra week. For Willie Gay, I'm with you there as well because I, these guys can run the ball too. They have a really yeah. good offensive line. And so when you're dealing with a running quarterback and, and, and a solid group of running backs and a good offensive line, their Chiefs are going to need Willie Gay Jr.'s speed and athleticism to run Jalen Hurts over to the sideline and keep him from busting through big gains. So I'm with you. You know what? And, and by the way, the, the injury report came out today. I don't know if they actually – I was so busy all day with work. I, I, didn't, I didn't get to check to see if they actually practiced or if they're still just resting guys, and this is another gimmicky injury report. But they would list McCullough's did not practice, Juju did not practice, Legarius did not practice, Tony did not practice, Willie, Willie Gay limited – and then one change from yesterday's Trey Smith, who's dealing with an ankle, went from, went from limited to full participation. Everybody else that's on the injury report, Isaiah Pacheco with a wrist, Mahomes with the ankle, McKinnon with ankles, and Justin Watson, who had been sick the previous week, is were all full participants all this week. So the thing and about nothing about Kelsey in the back, it seems like that was just if you've ever had one of those weekends where your back just locks up. Yep. It sounds like that was the case. And he just had the trainers working on that thing all weekend long. He was relaxing and I read that he couldn't even fully straighten his back when he woke up Sunday morning. It was so tight, but they got him out there. Incredible. That's amazing. As somebody who has back issues, like I, you can't, I, when I have back spasms, forget it. I'm in such horrid pain. Can't move. I stand up and I'm like tilted to the side. It's awful. Um, So 
shout out to the training staff. Um, they're so good. Yeah, they really. The magic they worked with Mahomes in eight days uh, should be legendary. And I'm feeling yeah. really good about them having with him, not he didn't have any setbacks. Apparently, it was just kind of a pain tolerance thing when you saw him grimacing. Yeah, yeah. giving them an, like two weeks, I think he's going to be pretty good, 80-90%. Yeah, and the setback thing is really interesting because if he didn't have a setback and he didn't. I don't know how much playing on that and running around set back the healing process. I'm sure it slowed it down for sure. Mm-hmm. But now he's looking at three weeks since the injury by the time he actually steps on the field of the Super Bowl. So, and and you saw he was able to accelerate to 18 miles an hour on next gen stats on that last play, which has got to be close to his top speed. <laughs> I mean, that's his top speed is like. Three percent faster than whoever's chasing him, right? <laughs> he right. and Travis Kelsey. It, it's yeah. bizarre. Yeah, he says he runs scared. I wanted to ask you about um, Tony mm-hmm. because that injury—he injured himself. He's such a freak athletically that I saw him make this juke move before on the Chiefs. That's just completely absurd, and he does it really hard. And I saw him do it, and it was, and he just completely, you know, depleted the guy trying to tackle him. But I thought to myself, like, man, that looks like he could hurt himself doing that. Like, that is a lot of pressure. And sure enough, he, I think he was trying to make the same move along the sideline there when he got hurt in the game. Does like somebody need to talk to him a little bit and be like, hey, man, the human body, like, you don't need to do all that, you know, like all that force in that juke move. We can't have you hurting yourself. Other guys are trying to hurt you enough. Yeah. My hope is that he gets an off season with this training staff and his body is better equipped to handle what he's asking of his body. Uh, but yeah, he broke his own ankles. Yeah. You know, like to borrow from the uh, basketball terminology there. Um, you could tell too, cause he went actually for a non-contact injury. That's a pretty good result. Usually yeah. when someone has a non-contact like that, it's an Achilles, it's an ACL, yep. and it sounds like it was just a sprain. Yeah, uh, it makes it makes me scared. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Jamal Charles and some of those cuts he would make. He got hurt, you know, and, it, and he isn't doing anything close to what Tony would do. Um, so some people it's just hard to, to hold up against. He, he moves like an alien. I've never seen anybody move like him. You know, Ty- Tyreek moves uh, unique too, but this guy's like juking ability is freaky stuff. Yeah, somebody, uh, I think it was Tom, Tom Hood in the in the chat had a, a funny comment on this. He said uh, he he doesn't need to moonwalk. Uh, oh yeah, Tony needs to stop trying to make all these crazy moves. We don't need you to do the moonwalk after every catch. Yeah, man, like just a little little standard juke. You're probably is going to be better than most people's standard juke. Be Michael not- Irvin, not Michael Jackson, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, all right, let's move on to the next question from our Ring of Honor members. This one comes from the other Evan. He says, uh, and I know I know that one of these guys is, is one of your favorite players in the NFL to watch, Adam. Do you think A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith will be a bigger threat to us and how do we handle the running back committee they've got over there? Oh, you know where I'm going with this. I'm a huge AJ Brown fan. He yeah. is, uh, I just think he's been so underrated. When they got him, I thought, okay, this team might be going to the Super Bowl because they just landed a top five receiver who has no holes in his game. Track the deep ball and traffic, con- contested catches, yards after the catch, 
he, he can really do, he can really do everything. Um, so I'm more worried about him. Devonta Smith. I like our matchup against Devonta Smith. He's one of the, he, he's got like, um, McCall Hardman's BMI. And I think our physical corners, if they can get their hands on him in the playoffs where they're less likely to call things, I think they'll bully him a little bit, but good luck bullying AJ Brown. Um, but, yeah. but I will say the silver, I said this yesterday, the silver lining of the Jerry Sneed going out was for, um, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, and Trent McDuffie to get that test drive against Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. They're ready for anybody. They'll be ready right. for A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith because it doesn't get any tougher than the Bengals receivers. So I think they'll be ready for that challenge. And how do we handle the running back by committee? You just got to tackle. None of those guys are exceptional. I mean, they're all, all three of the running backs, Gainwell, Scott, and Sanders, they're all good players. But what, what the big difference is, None of them are Joe Mixon, right? right? The big difference is the line, you know? So we're going to have to tackle, and our defensive line is going to have to to win those matchups here and there. Do you, do you think, think? Well, yeah, I agree with what you said. Like, they, they're they right. They, they just went up against one of the best receiving cores in the in the NFL. Now, it, it, didn't, it didn't hurt that Tyler Boyd got hurt. He only played a handful of snaps in that game. Right. Um, but they've had to deal like they did a good job dealing with Chase and dealing with Higgins. They still those guys are going to make their plays. Um, I would argue that it's a more difficult match. I, I think their receivers are better on the whole, the Bengals than the Eagles, and the and the and the Bengals have a much better passer than the Eagles have. I'm not trying to take anything away from, anything away from Hurts, but he ain't Joe Burrow. So, you Correct. know, I, I think it comes down to it comes down to. Just like everything in the playoffs in these games, I think it comes down to scheme. It's again, it's going to be a Spags game. This this is a a different kind of challenge. One thing that helped the Chiefs against the the Bengals is they kind of just didn't bother with mixing that whole game. I think they should have. I think it would have made things harder on the Chiefs, but they didn't do it. Um, they were like, we're gonna we're gonna put our eggs in the burrow basket, and that's the one thing that makes me nervous about the Eagles is they're willing to run the football. It's mm. part of their identity and who they are. And so I don't think you're, they're, we're going to go into a game where even if the Chiefs are daring them to pass, that they just abandon the run. So that makes me nervous. Yeah, they're, they're not going to get away from the run. So um, we're just going to have to do a good job tackling, is, I think, is the primary thing. Yeah. And so, I, you know, keep in mind, in that game against San Francisco, when you look at the final score, I, I, I wouldn't look at the final score in that game because <laughs> – it was a. It wasn't. It wasn't a real football game, like basically a four-string quarterback. Yeah, it, it it was a complete disaster. Like, yes, the Eagles won thirty-one to seven, and so everyone, all these analysts, they're on there and they're like, the Eagles are so good, and they crushed everybody they played in the playoffs. But the Chiefs, you know, they only beat the Jaguars. I, I saw somebody saying this, like the Chiefs only beat the Jaguars by. It was actually Peter King who should know better. He's like, you know, I thought he was like, I thought the line should be six to the Eagles. And he mentioned the fact that the Chiefs like barely beat the Bengals and they barely beat right like they barely beat the Jaguars like the Chiefs were on they were on track to slaughter the Jaguars before Mahomes yeah. hurt. This playoff run so like closely in so many ways mirrors the Super Bowl winning season. Like the game against the Browns, like they were going to they were on pace to crush the Browns too and then Mahomes got hurt. 
at the concussion and everything changed. Same thing with this. Mahomes gets hurt against the Jaguars. Backup has to come in. You know, they still get to the Super Bowl. Same um, backup too. <clears throat> yeah, same backup. You know, but like you look at that game, Hertz was 15 of 25 for 121 yards. That is a 4.8 average. He's still nursing the shoulder injury. So, you know, they ran for 148 yards on San Francisco. Well, you might be like, well, geez, they ran all over him. They averaged 3.4 yards per carry. Like San Francisco's defense was still San Francisco's defense in that game. But like that the, they couldn't they couldn't get first downs. Those guys played the whole game. The when you look at the at the team stats and the box score of that game, the Eagles ran 70 plays. San Francisco ran 45. Like they, they, they couldn't move the ball. They just got went three and out and punted. They, they couldn't throw it. They had a, yeah. a, a time of possession advantage, 37 minutes to 22. So like that's not going to happen against the Chiefs unless something happens to Pat and Mahone and, and Henny's in there. So and not just that, the Giants. I mean, the Giants are the most overachieving, least talented team in the entire playoffs. Well-coached, phenomenal story this season, but they really did not belong in the postseason. They just didn't. So they beat a pretender Vikings team, and I don't know. I, I The Eagles' strength of schedule is not impressive. I don't want to talk down on them. They're a good team, but they have not faced anything like the Chiefs' offense. I think they're going to be really surprised – when when they uh, during that first quarter, if the Chiefs come out hot, because they have not seen anything like it. Yeah, and I said this. I made this point in our post game show after the AFC Championship game. I was like, "Look, man, like people people saying like, of course, with everything red, it has to be these extremes. It's like they haven't played anybody. They're they're frauds, or you know, they're they're an unstoppable juggernaut. And if you know Jalen Hurts hadn't got injured, they might have only lost one game, which is true, but." And I, I said, look, like these guys, you don't go 14 and three in the NFL and make the Super Bowl if you're not good. Like it would be foolish for anybody to look at their schedule and just determine that like they're a mid team that if they were in the AFC West or something, they would have finished, you know, with 10 wins. Like, but but then Verderam read their schedule. And I, this is fair. Detroit, Minnesota, Washington, Jacksonville, Arizona, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington, the Colts, Green Bay. I wonder if Dak was healthy for that first matchup even. Tennessee, I they won 26 to 17. I'm not sure if he was. Um the, the Tennessee, the Giants twice, they killed both times. The Bears, the Cowboys again and, and the Saints. Like it is like you look at the quarterbacks, I mean what would their record be with the Chiefs schedule? Would it be yeah. as good as the Chiefs? We don't know. There's no way to know. Um, but it's going to be fascinating. Let's get to our next question. Um, <clears throat> this one comes from Derek. What team have the Chiefs played this season that most closely resembles the matchup against the Eagles on Sunday? That's a really interesting one. I'm going to say the 49ers. Now, oh, they, don't yeah. have, they don't have the running quarterback, but they have the running game, good offensive line, Debo and AJ Brown are not exactly similar, but similar enough. Ayuk and Devonta Smith, and then Goddard and Kittle. I think Kittle's better, but Goddard's a, a hell of a player. Uh, and then you have um, a pretty fierce defense and pass rush. And 
So we fared pretty well against that team. If you remember, we came out, I think went down zero ten, and then just absolutely boat raced them. Yeah. I think that's, what a, do you think? Do you have a different comp? <clears throat> no, I think that's a good point. I, look, I think the two most talented teams that the chiefs played this year were like when they played Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay hadn't like kind of totally fizzled out yet. So keep that in mind. Like, um, I think they had some coaching issues this year, but I would, I would agree with you on San Francisco. I think that's a pretty good comparison. I think the chargers are a good, kind of a good comparison. Um, you know, they've got like similar receivers that can like, you know, they've got an AJ Brown, like Mike Williams, who can moss you. They have a, a dynamic running game, usually more out of the backfield with the passing game, but like something you have to, somebody in the backfield, you have to worry about. Um, and like the first time the chiefs played the chargers, remember like that's before everybody got hurt. And I yeah. remember being on the post game show talking about the, the the names of the guys that they have on their defense, and they have stars everywhere mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And they were harassing Mahomes; they were all over him the entire game. And so it was early in the year. I think the Chiefs are better equipped to handle that pressure. But the Eagles had, I think, seventy sacks this year or something. Uh, a lot, yeah. a lot of sacks led the league. Um, so, you know, I think about that or like that first Chargers game might be a little bit of a good comparison as well, where, where our guys were getting mossed. But the Chiefs are a different team. Like they're they they, they have all these rookies. They're very, they're basically veterans now. They're essentially second year guys. You know, so the other comp I'd throw out there, not from this year, but they've played them so much that I think there's some familiarity there. Is uh, the Ravens? Uh, yep. Now, a lot of our secondary hasn't played against Lamar Jackson, but Snead has. Uh, Gay and Bolton have the defensive line. A lot of it has, and the coaching staff has. So I think that having that experience against that coaching staff, I mean, that would probably be the best comp in the entire league. Yeah. uh, If you had to make a comp outside of, outside of receivers. So the problem is with, with a team like the Eagles with somebody like Hertz is the dude just like, if they get in the red zone, it's like almost impossible to stop them. That like that's yeah. like they get down there inside like the 10. Like, what are you supposed to do with a quarterback that can run like that? That's why he scored so many rushing touchdowns. Um, that's the thing that scares me the most. I think the Chiefs, the Chiefs can't play Ben, but don't break against this team. Because if they do, they're gonna get down there and they're gonna score. She said like one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. I'd like to see them get up on this team. I do not think the Eagles are built to play from behind. I think they are built to play from ahead. We saw that in the commander's loss when they get in a situation where they're down and they have to pass. Uh, I think we saw that too against the, um, the Cowboys, right? Yeah. They're just not built to play that way. So I would not want to fall behind these guys because then what's going to happen is they're going to run the ball like crazy. They're going to milk the clock and they're going to limit how many possessions Mahomes has. Yeah. Yeah. And keep in mind, for those who didn't know, Hertz rushed the ball 165 times in the regular season for 760 yards, 13 touchdowns. He had a long of 42. You know, he had a 157 yard rushing game against the Packers. He ran it 13 times. The next week, he ran it 16 times. So it didn't happen every game. But there were games where they ran him like, like as many times as they as, as they run a, a running back. Hang on one sec. Sorry about that. I got a sick dog. 
Is this the first uh, puking dog on the on the Arahidatic podcast? This is probably the first puking dog. We had a barking dog yesterday. Um, yeah. With Sterling's dog. She came. She's she's a sweet a sweet pup. She came over. Here, I'll have a little dog cameo. Oh, hold on. She's gonna go again. Oh, gross. oh no. <laughs> she's this is Scout, and she just yacked. Um, <laughs> Scout is nervous about the games too. Apparently, she's nervous. I had to get her off the rug. Um, anyway, uh, Galena. Hey, Galena. Sorry about that. Hilarious. Aerohadatic first. Um, all right, let's get into some more questions here. Best cameo since Chris, uh, Chris Jones popped on the air, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. Next one comes from T-Chains. Uh, do you think the Eagles are a bit overhyped? We kind of touched on this already because they've literally played no one uh, and any star quarterback. I, I, again, I think you know, we touched on it, T-Chains. Like, it, it comes down to how good is their defense? Like, How good is it really? They got a lot of sacks. But I think we know that the offense is good. They're dynamic. They can move the ball. What's going to happen? What's going to happen when they go up against an offense like Kansas City that they haven't kind of had to face that good of an offense all year or a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes? I think that's that's going to be the key. And I I, I think it, I, I'll keep pounding this. It's Steve Spagnolo and the playoffs for the Chiefs. I think what I would try to do is bait them into throwing the ball. I know you don't want to like, but like, I think that that's what they did to the Bengals. <clears throat> like he was like, go ahead, throw it, throw it to your weapons with Joe Burrow. And, and as we said in the, in the, the show last year or last week, it was like, I would rather have get our guys get mossed a couple of times by AJ Brown for a big play here and there. than like get nickel and dime to death in the run or a, passes over the middle which is what the Bengals did to the Chiefs the first time they played this year that's what they did to the Bills they're just guys are wide open in the middle field nobody around them you can't play scared and yeah. it happened to the Chiefs right like a couple of plays like there was nothing the Chiefs had good coverage and Jamar Chase just jumps up and catches it Higgins on the touchdown nothing anybody could do to stop those balls but there were a lot of plays that they take longer to develop so it gives the pass rush a chance to get home and sometimes they're, they're just lower percentage plays. And so I would rather try to force them into some of those lower percentage plays than just have then give up 300 yards rushing and have, you know, Hurts running all over the field. What about you? I think that's the problem with the Bengals. You know, you live by the 50-50 ball, you die by the 50-50 ball. That's what happened on that on that Brian Cook tip right. that Joshua Williams picked off. Uh, yeah, the other thing about that strategy is, and I think – Spags is really game planny in the in the playoffs. He he kind of is a chameleon from week to week in the regular season, but he turns that up big time in the postseason. So I think he's going to have some stuff for them. But the other thing about that is uh, if they're running the ball again, they're milking the clock. Right uh, now, I think this is going to be. You mentioned the de- the defense. This is going to be reminiscent of the the Super Bowl game against the the Forty Niners. Uh, their defense can play good against us for three quarters and, and kind of like be winning that matchup. But ultimately if the game is close, Nick Sirianni and Jalen hurts are going to have to outperform Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes. And if the game is close, I do not think they can do it. But the key is the chiefs defense has to keep this thing close. Yeah. It just can't get steamrolled. Right. By right. that offensive line. Right. And they've got to protect Mahomes against a really ferocious pass rush. Um, so they need to have a plan for that. 
Uh, next question came from our guy, Brandon Smith. Um, what do you think the game plan is on defense to slow down Philly's offense? We just kind of touched on that. And how many points do you think the Chiefs will have to score to win? Probably the same amount of points they scored last week. Like I could see this being a 24 to 20 game mm. that is close the entire time. And because the Chiefs have, it's weird to think of Patrick Mahomes is still so young to think of them as the most experienced playoff experience team in the league, but that's what they are now. And this other team doesn't have, they haven't been in a really other than getting, I mean, last year they got smoked by the bucks in the playoffs and this year they smoked two teams. So they've never been in a tight playoff game. Jalen hurts has never been in one. Nick Sirianni hasn't, has never been in one. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be like 24, 20 uh, the plan on defense uh, what do you think? <laughs> Predicting Spags is, is, is kind of a fool's errand, right? Yeah, I, I, I want if I'm picking between the the running game, Jalen Hurts running or Jalen Hurts throwing, I'm picking Jalen Hurts throwing every time, every time. He only passed her 22 touchdowns this year. Now, part of that's because he ran for a bunch. He didn't have to throw as many touchdown passes when they got down there, but. I'm I'm just I'm taking my chance with him throwing the football. He did a great job of taking care of the football as well. He only threw six interceptions, but the Chiefs need to get pressure on him and force him into making some mistakes. I think there's something to be said in this game about experience. The Chiefs have right. a lot of young guys who have never played in a Super Bowl, but they just they they've played in big games, like really big games against the Bills, against the Bengals, a lot of primetime games. And and they just won a really huge game and they 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 comported themselves well. The, there's guys on this team who have been to a Super Bowl. You have veteran leadership on this team, guys who have been to Super. Obviously, you know the Eagles have Jason Kelsey and and, and some other folks who have been to Super Bowls. But like Fletcher Cox, right, right. But Jalen Hurts never played in a Super Bowl. This is Patrick Mahomes' third Super Bowl. He was nervous in that first Super Bowl against the 49ers. Extremely nervous. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I think that that's going to help the Chiefs in this game. I still think they need to score to guarantee a win. I'm going to say 30 points. They hardly ever lose when they score 30. No. The other thing points. I mentioned about the game plan is if you're going to make Jalen Hurts pass, I would do the same thing they did with Jamar Chase last last week and kind of bracket him and say, if Devonta Smith and and Dallas Goddard have amazing plays and and they you know they score on us, we can live with that. But we're not just going to let their, their alpha dog run wild on us. Right, right. Make him go through his progressions. Make him throw to those, you know, third and fourth guys out there. Uh, I agree. Um, you know, I just think 27 will probably get it done. I just, it's what what Chiefs defense is going to show up, right? Like, they, they at times were bad this year, and they had a terrible time. They, at times they struggled against the run, although they were generally pretty good at it. At times they struggled against the pass. But Have they you know, ever been bad under Spags in the playoffs, though? Because even if you think back to that Bucks game that just fell apart, or um, that Texans game, there were some kind of fluky circumstances with how the Texans scored in that game. I don't yeah. know that I've ever seen a Spags defense just get abused in the postseason. Well, we know that it, it came out this week that he held things back when they played the Bengals the first time. 
And like, you know, you can argue whether or not a team like the Chiefs should do that since they're trying to get the number one seed and play one less game. And But like, I do feel like when the Chiefs play these teams, like the Bills and the Bengals in the regular season, they throw everything they have at them. And the Chiefs, strategically, like they they know they're going to be there, right? Like Spags and Andy Reid, like they're going to the playoffs. And they may not even be what, like they might like to have the number one seed, but they'd rather be able to beat the Bengals wherever and whenever they play them. And so, you know, I think he's got stuff in his back pocket that is that he can pull out that's not going to be on film. And I think that that's what they did. They did that against the Bengals. And for an entire quarter, for an entire quarter, they shut them down. They got zero yards in the first quarter. Um, and the Chiefs still just won by the skin of their teeth because that offense is so good. So they're going to need something like that again against another dynamic offense. Um, let's grab the next question here as we hit the hour mark. Um, <clears throat> this one from Albert. If you could choose an unexpected non-Chiefs player, Mahomes, Kelsey, Jones, to have a breakout game in the Super Bowl, who would that player be? So non, non-star. Who's, who's going to be the guy that kind of comes out of nowhere for you? Willie Gay. If you think about Jalen Hurts and the, the kind of things that they do with the running game and him and A.J. Brown and all the screens they run with Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith, uh, we're going to have to really tackle. I also think Willie Gay, you can see him picking off uh, the kind of balls that Jalen Hurts throws sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's my guy offensively. Who do you who do you got? I've been waiting for the Isaiah Pacheco game, and he's made an impact like at different times. He had you know a huge run against the Jaguars. He had a couple of nice plays against the Bengals. But I've been waiting for him to just break one or have a game where he runs for like 140. You know, like I think he's got that in him. And the mm-hmm. Chiefs don't like to to run it a lot, but is that how is that how the Chiefs slow down this this Philadelphia pass rush? They get they get the run going. Um, so I'd say Pacheco would be an interesting one for me. The other one I could see. I don't know if you count this as a star player, but Juju, if he's if he's out there, you know, this would be the time for him to have one of those big games that he has occasionally in this offense, where like he goes for like one fifteen and like a touchdown where they're like, okay, we're, you know, Mahomes is hobbled. We're going to try to take away Travis Kelsey. And so Juju's that sort of almost like another tight end out there running around big bodied, runs a lot over the middle. So I think it's more likely that it's Juju than it is Pacheco, just given that. I'll throw Kadarius Tony out there too. I think they were, if you look at the two playoff games before he got hurt, they were engineering touches for him. They were going to him. Mahomes trusts him. He's electric in space. Uh, I feel like he's been on the verge of a, of a breakout game. Uh, it just depends on his health. Yeah. Next up is Rhino. Uh, do you think that the Super Bowl could be another wasted trip with how many injuries the Chiefs have? Seems similar to 2020 when the O-line was banged up something fierce and Patrick having his turf toe. You know, I, I, no, I don't feel that way about this one. Um, that line, like, it's a couple things. 
that that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, in my opinion, was better than the Chiefs. Like it just all around top to bottom defense was really good. Even if the Chiefs were healthy along the I think it would have been a game. But even if the Chiefs were healthy along the offensive line, I think that that was going to be a tough one. They had a really good game plan for the Chiefs. And the fact of the matter is the Chiefs were they, – they, their, their timing was off. It was one. It was not quite like the Bills game against the Bengals, but like, you know, if you watch that game in the playoffs this year, the Bills just seem out of sorts. And that all the drops and the Chiefs just were not in sync. And I think there was something about coming back to the Super Bowl. So you throw in the fact that they couldn't block anybody and Mahomes is trying to make all these off-schedule throws, which had worked for them to that point, and they're just hitting them in the face mask. And if you look at some of those throws that everybody always shows the highlights of like these great throws that Mahomes made that guys dropped, even though they dropped them, if you look, all of those passes were defended well. Like the, the There was always a buck making a play on the ball, getting his hand in the way even though they didn't bat it down, they were really good. The Bucs were, that defense played out of their minds that day. So I don't think, even though the Chiefs are banged up, I think they are really good and their offense is really efficient. And they just beat the Bengals in a game. Like, I think the Bengals are really good. And the Chiefs just beat them. It helped that they were at home. But when Mahomes couldn't scramble and all of their players got hurt in the game, and they still pulled it out, and that's pretty incredible. So I no, I don't. I think the Chiefs have a real good shot to win this one. I don't think you can compare what's going on with their wide receiver room to what happened with their O line, because if you look at this wide receiver group, they're pretty interchangeable. I mean, there's not that much distance in talent level from one to like six. Yeah. So I'd feel pretty good if we had Sky Moore, Justin Watson, and Juju out there. Um, yeah. and if Katerius Tony gets out there and we don't have, we don't have Hardman, but we have, you know, and I didn't even mention MVS. Um, I think it's a totally different, different scenario. Yeah. MVS is going to be playing with a lot of, a lot of juice after the performance he just had, as long as they got Kelsey and they've got Juju, I, I think they're okay. And remember that was a coaching staff and quarterback that had a shitload of experience night and day to what this quarterback and, and coaching staff have. So it just feels totally different to me. Yeah, I agree. Next one is from uh, T Criley. Uh, what is the game plan to stop the run? Our defense has been playing better, but the Eagles team just ran all over the, a really good 49ers D was well, kind of, we mentioned they didn't really like they averaged under four yards per carry. Um, in, in a game where I think that that was a war of attrition and the 49ers were losing bad. They lost everybody on offense and the defense was just gassed. Like they were doing fine early in the game against the Eagles. Um, Eagles made some plays, but they were like, it, you know, remember there was a moment there where Christian McCaffrey had a big run and people were like, are the 49ers going to be able to pull this out? And then it just all went to hell on the offensive side of the ball. So if, again, if I'm the Chiefs, I think I'm daring them to throw. Like that's I I want to I want to just I don't even want them to get into the run. I don't want to have to worry about stopping the run. I want to dare them to throw, show them looks that make them throw, and then let my pass rush and let my secondary hold up. And part of that strategy is getting assistance assistance from your offense. You got to get up on these guys because 
Yeah. That forces them to have to pass more than they'd like to. I think yeah. you can't get the offense can't come out and sputter and get into 14 nothing hole. I know they can come back from that, but can the defense can the defense help them come back from that? Yeah. And I would say do not what you can't do is what they did last week against the Bengals, which is have a dominant first quarter and have two two long drives and only come away with field goals. Like the Chiefs, if they had finished those drives, like it's not a nail biter. Like they win that no. game maybe by 10 points. So that that was the thing that they didn't they they had a great game plan on defense that worked for a quarter and then they didn't take advantage of it on offense. They cannot settle for field goals in a game like this. I think what could be different this time around though is if Mahomes can scramble and yes. because it's a Super Bowl and because he has extra time to heal with the Chiefs, they have their initial play and then they have the secondary play. It's almost like BOGO, buy one, get one. You know what I mean? And he, they couldn't really extend plays. And I guess the Bengals, you don't really want to, but I think this is going to be a little different. Uh, and that will help them. That will help them in the red zone. They'll also have more versatility. You know, they like to roll Mahomes out and do all kinds of funky stuff. Uh, so that will help. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope he can run a little bit. Um, that's where a lot of his magic comes in on the goal line as well. Raymond Chandler says the Eagles have a very good offensive line versus the poor line the Bengals had. Do you expect our D line to do well against them? What do you think, Adam? Frank looks better in the playoffs. I don't know if it's uh, if he kind of saves saves his energy or or, or what it is. Uh, I think it's going to come down to somewhat strategy. And one of the big differences with the Chiefs this year, they added Joe Cullen, the defensive line coach. Uh, and also, I think defensively, they just made the decision, you know, Frank, you're no longer a star. The Honey Badger's not here. This is officially Chris Jones's defense. So everything we're going to do starts and ends with Chris Jones and figuring out how to get him advantageous matchups. So they have to, whatever the weakest link on that line is, they have to probe throughout the game. And they've already been thinking about this. I imagine that because the Eagles like looked superior to every team in the, in the NFC, they've been thinking about Philadelphia for a while. That's just the kind of coaching staff they have, that, that they, they are uh, looking down the road. Um, so I just think that those other guys like Karloftis and Frank and, and uh, Mike Dana, I mean – just squeezes every bit of potential out of himself, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the trick with the chiefs is other than Jones, they have a lot of guys that are good that they can rotate through. Carl Loftus has been on a tear. Um, I, Frank Clark, man, like I think they can, the Eagles have a really good offensive line, but and I don't think that the Chiefs are going to come out on defense and get as many sacks like they did against the Bengals, who were who were banged up. But a big part of why the Chiefs succeeded against the Bengals' defense offensive line was the scheme that they used, moving Chris Jones around to different places. That's really difficult to prepare for, and it makes it difficult to get a, you know, for some of those guys that, that he's going up against for them to like figure him out because he's always moving around and. You know, they, they don't get a, as many reps against them. The Bengals have played the Chiefs defensive line before. These Eagles have never gone up against these guys. So um, I think that's that's something the Chiefs have in their back pocket, the fact that they can move, that they can move Chris Jones around. He'll demand attention, 
And if he does demand that attention, they have guys that are able to make plays like Frank Clark, like George Karloftis, like Mike Dana. There's other guys that could come in, like Carlos Dunlap, who like isn't racking up a ton of sacks, but he's always getting pressures. And he's, you know, he's like Gumby out there. He looks, he looks like he's playing with like kids. Looks like um, an int from Lord of the Rings or something with those. Right, right, yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, the other thing about Jones is it's built in for him to have the freedom to make decisions. He told, he's like, Carlos, go inside. I'm taking Hakeem Adinaji one-on-one now. This is yeah. the time. And when you have that versatility built in where the player can just decide, you know, at the last moment to do it, that's kind of hard to prepare for. Yeah. Yeah. It, they, they feel like the team that won the Super Bowl to me. That defense wasn't great either, but it was it it had it made the plays when they needed to make the plays. Um, they remind me a little bit of that Saints when the Saints won the Super Bowl. That defense that was opportunistic and, and made plays. I just think this if you look at what they've done this postseason in these big high leverage situations, it's been different than it's been it was during the regular season. They're digging a little bit deeper. They're getting the pressure. They're making the play. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see if they can do that one more time. Cause I think that'll be the difference in this one. Aircraft asks us, do you really think the chief's defense is going to have an answer for the, for the Eagles offense? If so, what would it be? Um, I, again, I, they've got to get pressure. Like at the end of the day, they've got to get pressure when he drops back to pass. And if they can do that, I think they can force him to make mistakes. He's not made a lot of mistakes. Um, he's not made a lot of mistakes in the regular season. But this is the Super Bowl. He's still a young quarterback. He's got a kind of banged up shoulder. I just think things are going to be moving at a different speed for him, or especially early in that game. And I like I see opportunities for strip sacks. I see opportunities for tip balls and interceptions. I think that's how the Chiefs. I don't think they can fully stop this Eagles defense. So I think they have to they've create turnovers and sacks. And what do we think about this guy in big games? I mean, Nick Saban moved on from him to to Tua for a reason. Yeah, uh, it's just interesting to me. Um, tackling. I'm also going to say tackling. And mm-hmm. last year, I would feel much more nervous with Sorensen and and the Honey Badger. But what did they do this offseason? They brought in speed and guys who can tackle. You look at all these young kids: McDuffie, Cook, Williams, Watson. They can all tackle. Sneed tackles well. Reed, Reed tackles well. Uh, I, I think they're equipped to uh, to step up. And also, you know, McDuffie and, and Williams, they're just really starting to come in on their own. They haven't played that many snaps. I feel like Watson did, but. Yes, I agree. I mean, your, your, your defense is growing up, and so this will be a big test for them, but they've played really good teams in the AFC. So it's not like they're – it's not – I don't think they're walking into the same kind of buzzsaw. I feel like the Eagles defense is walking into. I just wish they had seen even Justin Fields this year, like that or, or Trey Lance was healthy when they played mm-hmm. the 49ers. I just wish they had seen this kind of player. Cause I don't think they really did. Well, Malik Willis, they did see Malik Willis, but the Titans seemed petrified in that game to let him run. Um, but yeah. he, he did. He, they felt that speed. I think, right. Right. It got a little bit of experience and it, and it was a hard fought game. So I don't think it's, you know, it's not, it's not a, a great one-to-one like if they had played Lamar and the Ravens, but at least they did deal with one dynamic running quarterback. And they also had to go up against Josh Allen. 
this year. Right. You know? Right. So, um, all right. Last one, Austin Choi. Uh, what did the 49ers defense do wrong that we can learn from? Because, uh, you know, questions about their offense aside, few expected the defense to struggle the way it did. I'm guessing, you know, Austin, honestly, I, I really don't think that I really don't think that the 49ers defense struggled in that game. I, I just don't. I mean, you look at the box score, it, they just had absolutely no chance. They had no chance, you know, uh, in that game that they're on the field the whole time. They had no offense. They just, they got a lot of stops. It just it didn't matter. <laughs> like it didn't matter. Um, they, they were gassed and they played a lot more uh, plays. So I think they did a, a pretty admirable job given the circumstances, just holding the Eagles to 31. But it, like you have to understand too, I think by the time that game got to like the start of the fourth quarter, m- m- from a morale like standpoint, like the, the 49ers were toast. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, can't Jimmy G like laughing on you know kind of this maniacal smirk on his face and it, it was a, yeah. it was a mess. It was. I'm not going like- to blame that defense. I think they hung in there. D'Amico Ryan's had that defense uh, playing like the number one unit all season, and eventually, if you have if one team has almost twice as many plays offensively as the other, the defense is just going to wear down and and give in. You know, they they can only hold up for so long. So do you you know how to, you take a guess, do you know how many total yards the Eagles had in that game? Uh, Well, you said they had 138 yards rushing or something like that. So I'm going to guess they had 300 yards. 269 yards. Like if you told the San Francisco 49ers before that game, hey, your defense is going to hold the Eagles total to 269 yards, they probably would have thought, well, we won, maybe by 10. Um, That. That's pretty good. The 49ers only mustered 164 total yards themselves. So, I mean, like they held, think, think of it like this. Cause you look at the score and you're like, Oh, well they just, their defense got blown out. No, the total, the yards per play in this game, the 49ers who had no quarterback the entire time, literally couldn't throw the ball. Didn't they throw like one or two passes in the second half. They averaged 3.6 yards per play. The Eagles averaged 3.8 yards per play. Like yeah. they were great. <laughs> it's, it's almost like the Mahomes performance against the Bucks, where it's like you look at the box score and then you're like, oh man, he sucked. He was terrible. And it was like, no, nah, man, he was running for his life. He ran like eight miles on the field that day. That game was effectively over when that happened. I mean, think about the Super Bowl. If even that Jaguars game, I was thinking, okay, that's the season. That's the season. Yeah. If, yeah. if Mahomes is out, I, I don't know that Henny can hang on for, you know, maybe a quarter, a quarter and a half, but three quarters over three quarters. So I think that game, everybody knew that game was over. I don't even know who our fourth string quarterback is. Think about that. We wouldn't have one. I mean, they'll, they'll go into this. I was shocked that the chiefs didn't have Shane Bouchelle up for the AFC championship game, especially after watching that 49ers game. Um, they had him inactive and I was just like, I, you know, and people were saying they were like, yeah, but you know, if, if it comes down to Shane Bouchelle, the Chiefs aren't winning everywhere anyway. And like that's not necessarily the case. Like, there's a difference between like you need to hang in a game and you've got Andy Reid, who's a brilliant offensive coach, and you've got to use Shane Bouchelle to get a drive. Um, like then having Christian McCaffrey as your quarterback. <laughs> right. And, and you also don't know when the injuries are going to transpire. 
But we did see in that game, Mahomes is out. And then there was that late hit by Alden Key on Chad Henney. So right. what would have happened if Chad Henney went out and Mahomes never came back in? Would yeah. McKinnon or, or, or Kelsey or, or remember that, that um, Broncos game when their whole quarterback room got COVID and they had to start Kendall Hinton, a wide receiver at quarterback. Yeah. And he, he like completed two passes or something like that. So yeah. uh, it does worry me a little bit um, that we're not carrying that third guy. I would for the Super Bowl, man. Like I just, you know, you got a banged up Mahomes. I, like I don't think his ankle is going to keep him off the field. But like what if he were to, God forbid, get a concussion or something? And then, like, what if you're in the game? See, that's my point about this. Like, where, like, yeah, something happens in the first quarter, they're probably going to get smoked. But like, let's say Mahomes is playing great. It's a, it's a, it's a game like they just had against the Bengals. And on that last drive, you know, they, they end up down to the, to Henny and something happens to him and they need a field goal to win. You're telling me like you, you wouldn't want Shane Bouchelle, who can complete a couple passes over, but Travis Kelsey, Jarek McKinnon. Playing quarterback, like I can even scramble a little bit, knows how to read his progressions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's curious to me. I like Jody Forson, but with the Belldozer healthy, do we really need to carry four tight ends? I know he likes that versatility. He wasn't up for the game, Bell. He was a healthy scratch. That was what was interesting to me about the the Bengals. Um, And, And Justin Watson was a healthy scratch too. So you had kind of. You almost no, had Watson an excuse. Sick. So he doesn't count against the 53, right? Right, but he was he was sick. He like he I think he would have been up if But that was an extra spot. That was even more of a reason. Right, right. Yes. To yes. carry Bushell, you know? Yeah. 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 They had a lot of guys out. So yeah, but they weren't gonna do it. Like they're just, you know, and they, he hasn't been active, I don't think, all year, and he probably isn't gonna be active for the Super Bowl. So, you know, this is probably a futile conversation. But uh yeah, uh, shout out to everybody in the chat. Um, John Jones says we ran for two hundred yards on them the last time we played them, but Tyree Kill had 186 yards and three touchdowns. I'm very worried about our offense not being good enough to put up 30. I mean, this offense could put up 30 anytime. As long as Mahomes is upright. I mean, you just saw what he did a week after getting a high ankle sprain against Bengals team that has done a great job of limiting him. Yeah, they only scored 23 points, but like they were doing pretty well until they when they lost when they when the injury started happening, when they lost Tony and they lost Hardman and they lost Juju. I'm gonna say that again. At the beginning of the game, they had all those guys. They lost Hardman, they lost Tony, they lost Juju. They were Watson down was to, sick. Yeah, Watson was sick. They were down to they were down to Travis Kelsey, MVS, and then they had Sky Moore, who has not played very much, and Marcus Kemp was running routes. He's got like 24 yards, uh, 24 receptions in his entire career. He was out of football. He's been on the Chiefs practice squad all year. Good special teams player, but like, so, I mean, and they won that game. They 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 got more points late, and then they scored. So, like, if, if they have MVS, Juju, Kelsey, Sky Moore, um, um, uh, and, and Jody Fortson, who like just because he just got back, I'm mm-hmm. feeling pretty good. They've got options. They got people they can throw the ball to. And they left beat on the bone, like you said early. Those early red zone trips, they had to settle for field goals. Yep. Also, there was that freakish fumble that Mahomes had. He didn't lose a fumble all year. Right. And I'm going to bring up that 49ers game again. They were the number one defense in the regular season 
we went into their house and just absolutely an annihilated them. I don't remember what the final score was, but it felt like we could have put up 50 that game if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to have to wrap up here in a second. Let's just get a couple questions from you guys out there in the chat who have been hanging with us. Um, fire some questions at us. If you would, somebody's mad about what we're talking about out there. Some guy named William. He's like swearing. You all right, William? Take a breath, brother. You're just talking ball. Go touch some grass. Yeah, go, st go start your own podcast. You can talk about whatever you want. Um, Summer, take, uh, Summer Tate says the Chiefs had the hardest schedule in the NFL this season. Um, interesting. Uh, it's kind of hard to quantify that, right? Because yeah. strength of schedule coming in, it's, it's sort of like, you know, teams change and what were the injury situations and who showed up on, on what given Sunday. Yeah. Angry Junkin German says with four tight ends on the field, Jody at wide receiver, how the hell would the Eagles cover that? That was an interesting point of conversation last week. Dan Arlowski was talking about it with the Chiefs come out and the uh, 13, 14 personnel. And, you know, I like that. I think it's a really interesting look because you've got, it forces the other team to put their big guys out on the field. But the Chiefs have tight ends that can play like wide receivers, Jody Fortson and Travis Kelsey. And so, it's a little, it's tricky. You can get maybe some favorable matchups. I don't know if the Chiefs, will, they, they obviously weren't interested in doing that against the Bengals because they didn't even have Blake Bell active. So it'll be interesting to see if they do that against the Eagles. Uh, shout out to, to Bumpa for the super chat. Turnover issues in the regular season hasn't translated. Thank God for that. Um, and then we'll do this last question from Summer Tate. Are you worried about the Chiefs' number one offense versus the Eagles' number one passing defense? Offenses have not fared well in the past. What do you think about that one, Adam? You have to look at who they're playing. I mean, they played Rodgers, Lawrence, and Dak Prescott, and that's really it. Uh, I'm not worried about the offense, especially with Mahomes feeling better. It, it just always comes down to don't, don't shoot yourself in the foot for the offense. Special teams has to just not make any crucial mistakes. And then the defense just has to give us enough so, like, let the offense outscore the other the other offense, and I, I I think we can. I'm not worried about their defense. Yeah, I'm with you. They're, we've got Mahomes. Like, think about this Chiefs team. How many times since Mahomes has been in Kansas City have have they gone into a game where they just couldn't score? Like, it's very rare. No matter who they're playing, no matter what defense. Remember. The 49ers had one of the most intimidating defenses I've seen ever this year at times. And the Chiefs steamrolled them and ran the football on them. So I think they have a little something. They played really well against that Bucks defense early in the season. So um I, you know, I I I'm with you. As long as they've got Mahomes and Andy Reid, they're gonna be able to score points. The only time I really think where they just really got messed up was the Super Bowl against the Bucks, where they couldn't block anybody. There's one other time that nightmare game in Tennessee. That's the only other game I can think of when they lost 27 to three. Yeah. And they, they were just com completely out of sorts. Yeah. 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 Part of that that, was the offense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just a, a weird day, but Andy Reed off a of bye, pretty good. I think the number I'm, I'm trying to recall what it was, but it's something like 28 and six, I want to say. So feeling pretty good about that extra week, week of uh, prep for Big Red. Yeah, indeed. So speaking of the schedule, um, look, 
me and Vertoram are going to be down in Arizona uh, on Radio Row next week. So if you're not subscribed to this podcast, if you don't have notifications on, turn them on because we're going to be live and we're going to be doing shows and we'll have our regular shows, but we're going to be going live like in the middle of the day. You know, there's going to be a ton of content. We've got, uh, oh, maybe I can give you a little bit of a preview. I don't know if I've got it handy. Um, we've got some some really great interviews lined up already. Um, we're going to be talking to Nick Lowry. You guys know him. Um uh, we're going to be talking to who else do we have on here? Dion Sanders, Prime Adam Carey, yeah, Justin Jefferson, Mike Golick Sr., Stephen A. Smith uh, is supposed to drop by. I've long wanted to get a, a debate going between Stephen A. Smith and Verderam, so this, this could be absolutely incredible. Um, but yeah, we're going to be on Radio Row. Uh, we'll be there on Monday night. Um, uh, we'll be doing a, you know, a, an AMA, uh, on Monday, some, sometime in the afternoon, but then Monday's opening night. So keep like, make sure you're following at Arrowhead Addict on Twitter. Make sure you're on the website because we're going to be there walking around, asking questions, talking to Chiefs players. They've got media availability in the mornings. So like, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be around. So, um, make sure that you, uh, are just following us all next week. Cause it's going to be all kinds of exclusive content. Um, Peter Abbott says, uh, uh, hey, guys, I run a knife store in in West Westgate Mall near the stadium and would love to meet you guys. Peter, is that... kind of dangerous. At first, I thought he was threatening. It may be the case. Let's be honest here. Um, uh, Peter, you're not... You don't want to murder us, correct? Can you clarify? Um, and is that... Uh, Westgate, is that in Arizona? Or are you saying, is that in Kansas City? Is that a suburb of Kansas City? I don't know. Um, that's a, Richard says that's a mall. Uh, Richard, is it a mall in Arizona? I don't know. I just hope we don't get stabbed. Oh, it is. It's a mall chain. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, maybe we'll drop by. <laughs> DM us. The other uh, thing I want to mention about next week is that I'm going to be going live on TikTok in the evening uh, most nights. It's a lot of fun over there. Uh, we get some trolls and I heckle them back a little bit. And we just we just uh, shoot the breeze and talk about the Chiefs and the NFL and sometimes pop culture. And I enjoy doing it, enjoy uh, taking questions from you guys, interacting with you guys. So just nonstop wall-to-wall content next week, week right, uh, Patty? Yep. It's just going to be uh, just the most fun. So t- listen, my advice to y'all is to soak it up. Like next week, you know, I know you all got to work and you got responsibilities and kids and all that stuff, but like, we don't know if we'll, if we'll ever be back. I hope we will. And I'm, I'm pretty confident we will, but like, these are moments, man, like three Super Bowls in four years. Enjoy it. Especially the, the last one we lost and COVID bullshit was going on and like every, just everybody was miserable and like, if you're going to be down there, let us know. If you're going to be down in uh, Glendale for the Super Bowl, give me a shout. If you got an extra ticket, give me a shout. Um, <laughs> we're going to be down there. Um, and uh, we'd love to meet some of you. Talk about if a super you, chat, right? What's that? Yeah, talk about a super chat. My God. Um, yeah, we'll be on Radio Row, but uh, we, we're doing something different. Verderam will be in the bowels of the stadium somewhere. I will probably be f- posted up at a sports bar somewhere. So if somebody's down in Arizona and you're having a Super Bowl party, uh, 
give me a, give me a, give me a ring. Um, all right. Uh, we gotta get out of here. Long show. Adam, love having you on the Thursday show, man. We gotta, we gotta make great. it, we gotta rotate Change, you through. Changed it up. It yeah, was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to our members for all the really awesome questions to, to give us content for today. I've been super busy at work, so I didn't have time to do much of an outline. So Jesus Perez says you have uh, $5,500 tickets. It's ridiculous. And if, you, if you're buying it on StubHub, you can tack on an extra grand for the fees. I mean, it's just you have to like mortgage your house. Maybe I could take out a second mortgage on this place to get a ticket. Um, do you really need two kid- kidneys, you know? Nah, I don't need two kidneys. So, um, yeah, I- I'll tell you, I- I'll sell somebody my, uh, my, 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 my sweet chief starter jacket for five grand. Uh, I'll give you all my chief stuff because I'll just buy more down there at the Super Bowl. Uh, Cameron Blake says, I'll be down there. Oh, you're, go- are you going to the game, Cameron? Or are you just like going to hang out and like be part of the experience? Cause like, you're not a millionaire. Um, Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see Cameron. If you're going to be down there, DM me. My DMs are open on Twitter. Do you know who's, by the way, real quick before we go, do you know who slid in my DMs this morning? Actually, technically, I slid in her DMs first. Rihanna? It wasn't Rihanna, but is is another female artist. I thought with the Super Bowl coming up, maybe she wanted to hang. Yeah. Well, you know, I am a married man. I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hang her out to dry or anything, but, um, (laughs) No, it was uh, it was Melissa Etheridge. Uh, I was trying to get her on the show today. Um, we follow each other on Twitter. Huge Chiefs fan, so we're going to try to get her on at some point. Probably won't be able to do it before the uh, before the Super Bowl, but um, you know she writes songs about the Chiefs. Like she's big time, big time. Let's get Chiefs. some of those celeb, you know, Chiefs fan celebs on here. Yeah, yeah. Paul Rudd and Eric Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. Let's do Ted it. Ted Lasso. <laughs> he is too. Yeah, I didn't he, know he, that. He went. I think he went. He's a he's a Jayhawk too. I think he went to KU. So, oh, okay, all right, nice, nice. Yeah, we gotta we definitely gotta get them all on here. Um, all right, everybody, we're gonna get out of here. Thank you so much to everybody for all your support. Tons of shows next weekend. Just turn your notifications on the Arrowhead Addict uh, podcast channel uh, for Adam Best, for producer Richard, for Matt Verderan making his way back with a a suitcase full of Reese's from the Senior Bowl. My name is Patrick Allen. We will see you next week for Super Bowl week, the Kansas City Chiefs. Until then, as always, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.